The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Youthcast. Uh, this is a pre-recorded show. Uh, but we are actually back with some new material this time. Uh, it's, in, it's been quite a while, I think. Yeah, Assalamu alaikum. It's great to be back. We've been quite busy. We've had a couple disturbances. If you can keep it at that, we have, we've had a bit of a hiatus. But uh, we're back and we're back with full force. It's great to, and, it's, and it is great to, to be back. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Yeah, just reiterating what the boys have said. Again, it's great to be back. Yeah, we have been quite busy. So, how have we all been in general? So, uh, I unfortunately was not in the country. Uh, unfortunately? Very fortunately. Bro, I'll show you a little life. In terms of the show, obviously. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. A little break because uh, this country can get a bit depressing sometimes. Yeah. But it was good. Uh, and obviously, we've all had like exams and stuff, which is why new material yeah. hasn't been uh, put as out frequent. there as frequent. Bit of, bit, bit of a creative break Yeah You can put it that yeah, way We've just been my, uh, brainstorming You know this Yes whole time. Of course Thinking about uh, Ways we can spice up the show Yeah but yeah It's been a good break But obviously we are back Full force uh, Obviously it's, it's not all of us Are here today Just the three of us uh, Myself Tarek and Razin But obviously It's going to be A good show Nevertheless Indeed Indeed uh, How have you been Razin? Yeah, I mean, most of my we both do exams at the same time because obviously um, we go to the same college. So it was just last week, wasn't it? It felt like ages ago, actually. But yeah, I just had my trial exams, and you know what? Alhamdulillah, I'd say they went all right. Yeah, you hmm. can't relate, uh, uh, bro. Don't worry, I, I, I messed mine up as well. You know what? It's called a trial for a reason. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Exactly. Uh, I think I don't think I did that bad considering I didn't revise. Kids, if you're listening, don't do what I did. Yeah, we do were revise. just having this conversation earlier about just how... So you were telling me about how teachers like to give sort of pep talks about how the optimum way to revise is and, you know, um, start early, obviously, is the general sentiment. But amongst the general youth, we don't really see that taking place mainly because of, you know, the many distractions and obviously... Um, Which is actually something we're going to talk about today. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes, we are. But you know what? Um, I was actually saying that I do actually think that cramming revision is one of the most effective methods. I don't encourage it. Let me just put that out there. But I would say for myself, the night before, if I just read over everything that is going to come up in the specification or just in general, the topic list... Uh, and the actual contents of it uh, it actually helps so much to remember it what do you think uh that does help you know i've done that many times myself i mean the last year so end of year exams uh i just pulled an all-nighter for <laughs> every single one of my <laughs> exams and i can't lie you know when you finish your exam and you've got like a banging headache but you've yeah. done the exam and you can finally sleep it's like the best feeling ever <laughs> yeah but obviously uh, obviously, if you start preparing early, you'll get ahead, etc. Good night's sleep, all of that will definitely, definitely help. But obviously, uh, we are teenagers, so obviously, doing the right thing is not always... Is, well, we're is not, not exactly, always the, we're not exactly the, the, the most rationally um, behaving people. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, the, 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 the first step in, in, in moving on and improving oneself 
is to is to clarify that there is a problem in the yeah. first place. You know what I've always found so interesting about procrastination is the fact that we know what we're doing is wrong. We know that we have to. Um, we know what we need to do is the important task. So for, for in this case, revision or homework or whatever it is. So we're literally aware of what we have to do, but yet we still put ourselves through the pain and through the actual um, loss of losing time by doing menial tasks or not even tasks, just any way to distract ourselves from what should be done. And we always suffer the consequences after by saying, after the exam takes place, like, oh, I wish I revised earlier. I wish I done more, etc., etc. Yet we still do it because we just can't break the cycle. Yeah, like so many times now, because obviously we've had so many exams now, second year of college or whatever exams they've been. Like, let's say all the times I've procrastinated, I know that eventually I'm going to have to do it. And then what happens is I get really stressed like the day before and I just cram it all in. And it's like a really, it's like a headache. But then the next time an exam comes around, I do the exact same thing. Yeah. It's arrogance, isn't it? And then even it's after arrogance. the exam, you always tell yourself, okay, that was the last time. Now, <laughs> now, now I'm never going to procrastinate. Now I'm actually going to start like months before the exam. And then the time the actual next exam comes, it's the night before and we still have the zero vision done. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's sort of arrogance. It's sort of like, you know what? I'll be fine. I'll be you know, okay. I know this. So I did it like two months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there, you fresh. know. I just need to make sure I read up just before the exam, and then, and then like the week before, I'll be like, okay, I can do this. I can do this like tomorrow, and then in the, and then in in the night before the exam, I'll be like, I can just like, touch on it on the way to school. I'll be fine, um, and and they'll give us a bit of time to revise before the exam as well. So I'll use that time, and then in that time, oh, so you know what? It's too late now to revise anyway. <laughs> and the thing <laughs> is, yeah. Another reason is which or why I do it is because there have been like a very limited small amount of time where I've actually been successful uh, in my exams by using this technique, like just cramming. Like sometimes I've just pulled it out of the bag yeah. somehow. Yeah, that's yeah, another yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Because here's another thing I was going to say. Whenever you do like an all-nighter, let's say you stay up for multiple hours with no sleep to essentially get as much work in or as much revision in as possible to do your exam. Obviously, it's bad, but then when you're successful at it, it like psychologically, it probably makes you believe that, okay, now that I've done this once, I can probably do it again the next time. So then when the next assignment is due or, or your next exam, when you, when you have to do your next exam, you're thinking, okay, I'll just put it off because I know for a fact I can still get the assignment done like the night before, even if it, like, uh, it takes all night. So the first time you do it, you realise it gives you like the mental... Um, blockade of actually making yourself believe that this can always be done now so it's like a recurring cycle of pain yeah I, it's, I think it's got to do with I remember seeing something it might have just been on TikTok or something and it's, it's something along the lines of uh, sometimes people who are more academically able procrastinate more because they sort of get away with it but they get away with it until a certain point and then, then it becomes a real problem and I feel like to an extent, that's sort of what we all felt with GCSEs. GCSEs was quite simple. Um, obviously, it's easy to say this now, but I say this to anyone who's doing the GCSEs now. Once you've get them over and done with and you're done to the next stage, it will feel a lot, lot easier than it is now. Uh, and so for me, I didn't need to put nearly as much like into into revising for GCSEs as I do as I do have to put in for A levels now. So I sort I sort of was in that mindset of I can just do it on the way to school. And then, and then you can't do that now. So I need to make sure that I need to like almost reprogram myself to sort of say, you know what, you aren't as intelligent as you think you are. 
you can't do that just on the way to school. You do need to put in more effort. And yes, you do need to work harder than some other people who only just do it on the way to school. You sort of need to go, like, re, like, humble yourself a bit, bring yourself down a couple pegs and say, you know what, I do need to, to, to change the, 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 my mindset as well. Obviously, I'm a change man now. I've, uh, I've started my, my official revision for my actual A-levels. Uh, to be honest, uh, a lot of people are very stressed including myself and I'm probably like you two here. Yeah. But to be honest, the way I see it is as long as you revise, pass papers, go over your notes, etc., whatever you need to do, uh, uh, and just feel confident that you've done as much as you can and try not to procrastinate, should be fine. Because think about it, in what four months will be done and like you can just be chilling. Yeah, yeah so I just mean... Just look, look, look towards the end goal. One thing one of my teachers always used to talk about was the idea of delayed gratification. So for us, it's only like, what, three more months until we do our actual exams. So if you delay your gratification, so for just those three months, so yeah, yeah, you're going to be experiencing the pain of revision all the time, but it's only for three months. And then after that, you can relax for the whole summer. But because we live in a culture where we like to have fun now, you know what, I don't want to delay my gratification now. I'd rather, you know, um, do XYZ now, watch Netflix now instead of watching it after the exam or after the assignment because that's just how we've, we live and mm, it is an issue and something we're going to address later on in the show. So what are we talking about this first half of the show then? So we're looking at one of the most recent events that's just occurred in political news in terms of the um ex-health secretary Matt Hancock so essentially um, as reported by many news outlets such as um, the Daily Telegraph and the Daily Mail what's been reported is that the health secretary and the ex-education secretary have had a chain of whatsapp messages that have been leaked by a journalist that was commissioned to write uh, Matt Hancock's book and the journalist Isabel Oakshot, she claims that it was to, it was a public, um, a sort of public mm. service for her to even, um, although she'd been given that information, it, it, that privileged information in confidence by Matt Hancock himself, she claims that it was of public interest to release it out nationwide. Yeah, so, 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 so I guess if you could sort of go into bit more detail about what, what, what was actually released what were some of the things they were talking about so i'm just looking through it now obviously some of them are a bit explicit so obviously i can't exactly say but uh as close to what i can say uh i will say so one is so there's actually quite a few i mean matt hancock recently he hasn't been having a great time has he i mean to be <laughs> honest he, he has no one else to blame but himself but uh there's eight i believe uh, which have been released to the public. Uh, and considering these are WhatsApp messages which have end-to-end con- uh, encryption, it's, it's a bit strange. Uh, but one is uh, about, is with his exchange with the education secretary, like Razin said, uh, on delaying A-level exams for a few weeks, uh, a shorter period than some teaching unions called for. Mr. Hancock had some uh, choice words. So... Uh, Mr. Hancock messaged Sir Gavin on the 1st of October 2020. Cracking announcement today. What a bunch of something the teaching unions are. Yeah, yeah. And so and I, then, I saw that as well about the teaching unions. 
So he displayed quite a, like a malice, I think. Exactly towards teaching unions. It 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 does sort of show the the sort of sentiment in the Conservative Party even today behind teaching unions. Obviously, we we recently had a strike in our own college. Um, with the teaching union itself deciding that their their wages weren't enough, and I mean we could talk about that, about how teachers aren't paid enough, but yeah, th- that message from Hancock does actually um, prove the point of how the many prominent party members, because obviously he was health secretary at the time, um, prominent party members are actually showing immense disliking towards these unions. Isn't it a bit weird? That the people making our decisions, you know, not like not just yeah, the the people running our country, are doing so on like WhatsApp messages and 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 like if you, like say someone like Matt Hancock, he's he he was health secretary, he it, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had no health background. Yeah, he was appointed by Boris Johnson, I believe. He, he was just appointed. He has no health background. He wasn't a doctor. He wasn't a nurse. He has doesn't have any sort of medical degree whatsoever. He's a politician. Who decides what happens in our NHS, in our lockdowns, in our whole entire nation, on the basis of of such you know on the basis of WhatsApp messages, and 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 that's how they communicate as if it's a group chat, you know. I I find that really unnerving. Maybe maybe that's because, I mean, I don't see how else they would do. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but I do think it's a bit of a shock. That the people who, who who run our country are, are doing so in a way that seems as sort of commonplace yeah, yeah and true. and uh casual as as whatsapp obviously like a lot of these decisions that they make are not based on whatsapp but it's more about how they sort of mock what's being done in government on these sort of uh platforms like whatsapp for example i think that's just more sort of concerning because like you said, these people are trusted to run the country and whenever a major decision is made, one that they've even voted for in, in some cases, uh, and you can clearly see that they don't really support th- with too much conviction what they're voting for and the way they're mocking it. Uh, and just another example I want to give here in terms of COVID, which is what Matt Hancock is most known for uh, during his time as health secretary, uh, he he texted his old boss, George Osborne, ex-chancellor and then Evening Standard editor, uh, to call in a favour asking for a favourable front page uh, in his goal to reach 100,000 daily COVID tests. So you can see he's trying to manipulate the media here wow. also in a way. Uh, and uh, he replied, in all caps, I want to hit my target. Uh, so obviously, uh, and... and uh, no one thinks testing is going well, Matt, Mr. Osborne replied. So essentially, he's trying to gather faith in the public with his testing targets, even though everyone knows, Matt himself, as discovered in these text messages, knows that nothing's really working, nothing's coming out of it. Uh, but still, he's chasing after these sort of uh, goals, uh, which don't really have any effect on the public, just to uh, sort of That's protect really his own public view. Mm. Is that illegal? Can you can you message can a minister I'm sure it's probably not illegal. What can a minister message? Yeah, can you just say please can you give me a favorable it's headline? And if they do give a favorable headline, would that be illegal? Yeah, so it's called like there's an actual concept of that called lobbying. So when when a, a person in a high position they lobby another minister to give them a sort of favorable 
um, I don't know, headline in this case. And it's not illegal, but it's just very unethical because it just shows the amount of, um, you know, the, the, the higher you are on the social hierarchy, so to speak, the more privileges you have. And again, it just shows the sort of um, unethical practices that many politicians um, engage in today. But I want you to speak about what do we think of the sort of, of, the sort of um, ethical issues connected with the journalist's releasing of Hancock's messages? Because obviously, she herself was commissioned to write a book for Hancock, and then she broke a legal NDA to release these private WhatsApp messages. So in terms of uh, ethics, obviously, whatever's going on, a private conversation is a private conversation, so you can argue on that basis. Uh, but I'm not really sure. What, what, what do you think could be some ethical sort of arguments? I mean, she signed a contract. She signed a contract saying she won't do explicitly what she did. Yeah. Um, but she actually said on a podcast later that it was of public interest. Um, she honestly, the general sentiment was that she doesn't care because the public need to know exactly what was happening at the time because... Um, She's obviously a prominent anti-lockdown person in her views. So maybe that is a sort of bias connected with how she wanted to release those messages. But to be or honest, maybe it's because she was paid. That's true as well, because the Daily Telegraph, which actually received the messages, um, it's not confirmed, but the argument is that they perhaps paid her a hefty sum to release those messages and even being able to cover her legal fees, which is quite interesting. Mm. But to be honest, you could also give the argument that Matt Hancock didn't really do what he was supposed to do either, did he? He didn't essentially follow laws or for, or for not laws, regulations. Or the two wrongs make a right. I guess I, I guess that's what mm. somebody would say. I don't know. It's interesting because if I was to imagine myself in her position, I would definitely feel like I would have a moral compulsion, especially since 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 she's a journalist. If you're a journalist. You sort of have a moral compulsion to, to, to tell the truth. That's true. To tell to, to for people to know. But at the same time from outside I'm sort of thinking, well, it, it might be in the public interest in a sense, but correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of this information was already given to sort the to the public inquiry into the COVID. Yeah, so So Exactly, exactly you said it was already given into the public inquiry, but not to the public themselves. So the people actually investigating the circumstances behind the lockdown measures they of course had to be given all the messages, all the chat logs um, between the, the ministers about how they would go about with the lockdown measures, even the ones un unrelated to that specific inquiry. But of course, that was a privately um, that was a private matter where only it, it was looked at in a, in a legal sense. But then when it's released open source to the public, it is quite a different matter. As Hancock actually said himself that it's of no interest to the public releasing these private messages and he felt that it was a um, great betrayal i so mean it is definitely a great betrayal we can we, we can agree on that i can agree with matt hancock on that that's true um is it is it in the public's interest i think is an interesting question it i mean could you sort of say well you know what what you don't know can't hurt you or, or could or would you be able, would you have to say you know the public have a right to know thing is we, we do live in a very individualistic society where One's private business is their business. For example, the something someone says behind closed doors or behind, um, you know, whatever sort of shadow, is that's their own business. But 
the question becomes when you when you are a person in power when you're a, a publicly elected official then do your private matters become that of public interest now when you're speaking about something that is directly related to the public such as the lockdown measures then there is an argument to say that that is something that that should be um, under the freedom of information act even free to the public to know but then again it is private whatsapp messages and uh, the mm. role of an mp is to is not to even um you know release their private affairs like in, in that manner so again there's two sides to the coin well i think i think i th- I, th- I think i would probably take the first position me personally i think as a as a public figure especially as an mp you must 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 be accountable to 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 the to the to, to your constituents and for the health secretary to the whole country um i think and that includes what you say in private messages because those private messages decide what happens in the country yeah you, you have to be accountable for them if this was if you know if 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 he was talking about something that was personal that didn't affect anyone else then yes i would think this would be very very unethical to 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 broadcast this to the whole world i think it would be quite unethical but when it's when it's too uh uh you know to the public about the public i think i think it's much easier to argue that it was it was necessary i'm just sort of thinking is so w- w- when do you think it's fine as- okay assuming that it was illegal for her to do what she did Okay, it was illegal. C- c- yeah, considering that it was sh- that she signed a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. If we assume that it was illegal for her to do what she did, and it's it it goes against the basis of that she signed a contract. Yeah. At what point do you say yes? She signed a contract. Yes, she broke the law, but it's still moral. It, mm. When do you think you can break those moral grounds? So generally speaking, the idea of holding to your contracts in both li- liberal and islamic values is a very very important Serious, idea yeah. um even you know um it, it says in in the quran mm-hmm. comply with your promises mm-hmm. so she's promised to do something at what point do you say it's moral to go against that or do you say it's not yeah exactly i think Again, the question always comes down to do we prioritize our moral obligations or our legal obligations? And in this case, you could say that she didn't comply with any. So Yeah, I I think it's quite a difficult question, I think. Yeah, so she she would argue that she was giving an act of public service by providing accountability to by making the Matt Hancock himself obviously accountable to the public in this matter. But then again, her breaking that legal um, agreement that she herself signed into is quite a legitimate question to be raised I'm not sure I'm not I, I think that's def- there's definitely you could definitely spin it both ways I think the fact that the, that, that the inquiry was there and that, that assumingly the inquiry was going to have a final conclusion mm-hmm. that was going to be influenced by these text messages because I think something to take into account as well we're only seeing the text messages that the Telegraph want us to see. That's true. It could very easily be spun in a way where we only see the bad text messages, which is important. Because I just read something as well. There's not just eight messages. Apparently, 10, there's a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand. Wow. Yeah. 
I'm, I don't even know if that people WhatsApp each other that much. But yeah, that, that's a bit crazy. But a hundred thousand. Yeah, we're only seeing the ones that are in time. Like yeah. yeah. I think we're only seeing the ones which are incriminating, which is good because we want to see the ones which are incriminating. So, so do we know if it was a group chat or like a like a? I think it was chat. all of his. I think it was all of his correspondences with various different peoples in group mm. chats. There was even um, so I don't know if we can get this up about the idea of after after his his um, there's a scandal that took place in Matt Hancock, which eventually led to his resignation. Obviously. I'm talking about the affair that was recorded on CCTV. He actually heard about it from WhatsApp, uh, from one of his peers, and then he actually, um, his response were, was quite interesting. I, don't, I can't remember what, the, what exactly it was. We can get it up now. That's interesting. I, I'd want to know what that was. Imagine finding out that something like that would, had become public through WhatsApp. That's yeah, really so interesting. What? So did he, ha- did he have, did he hear about it before? Um... He actually heard about it on that WhatsApp messages on on by WhatsApp. So um, let me just try to get it up. No, no, take your time. I think I think that's interesting. The sort of uh, moral questions here, and it's, I think it's cool to see into in, into someone who had a lot of power and he had a lot of influence, and you could see his messages and how he was trying to use that influence and what opinions he had, and and, and what he wanted to do to our country and wanted to do to us. So I think I I I think there's there's definitely some sort of considerations to take into account there. Um, so if you were in the position of that uh, that person who signed that NDA, would you release the messages? I think I think I would, or I I would feel a moral compulsion to do it. You are never getting hired by my uncle. <laughs> okay, so in the last thirty seconds we have of the show, his reaction to the actual um, release of the images was that he was asking how bad the pictures were. And then it was just eventual shock as to how anyone was even able to photograph what his affair, essentially. So there's no sort of, uh, oh, why did I do that? I regret. There's no regret. It's that's just, interesting. It's how did, why did I get caught? How much yeah. do they have? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's actually That's actually crazy. So we've had an interesting discussion on the first half of the show uh, about someone who's actually been on the show before. I'm not talking about Tariq Razin, I'm talking about Matt Hancock. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been a good conversation uh, and we'll continue the conversation in the second half. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum. We are back uh, with the second half of the show. First half, we had a very interesting um, discussion, a political discussion uh, about uh, our uh, former health secretary, Matt Hancock, and about some leaked messages which have surfaced recently about the moral implications of that. And just in general, some of the content uh, which was leaked, a very interesting conversation. Uh, But this is the second half of the show. We will be moving on. Uh, to discuss something which we have touched on in the first half of the show, uh, you know, when we were talking about sort of uh, procrastination, etc., uh, why uh, a lot of teenagers, including uh, the three of us who are sat here today, uh, uh, sort of delay revision, etc., procrastinate, you know, even with sort of tasks to do with life which are not sort of education related, why people procrastinate and delay, yeah, why, uh, and, and how yeah. we should aim 
to reach uh, a stage of where we delay our gratification uh, and reasons why we are like this. Yeah, so in sort of one camp of life, when you're always, um, when you're young, one of the main sources of advice from teachers, parents and other authorities is the idea of delaying your gratification. So, you know, work hard, go to university, um, find a job, um, do your nine to five and work for many years, essentially. And, you know, live your life modestly, save your money so then you can have a comfortable retirement, um, perhaps at the age of 50 or um, anything beyond that. 50 is pretty early. 50 is pretty early. But um, essentially, we're encouraged to sort of live a life of, you know, modesty and without having many luxuries just so we can delay our gratification later on and live more comfortably when we're in our later stages of life and we've had a sort of reactionary approach to that narrative where nowadays it's not necessarily encouraged or maybe it is we can have that conversation but certainly one of the more reactionary concepts we have towards that notion is the idea of hedonism so now instead of waiting all that time to delay our gratification why don't we give ourselves the most amount of pleasure today yeah isn't that what he yeah so hedonism in my understanding is sort of saying if it feels good it is good exactly that's that's literally what it is so um enjoying the pleasures of today and essentially not caring about the pain of tomorrow and so hedonism itself can be understood as seeking as much pleasure as possible and avoiding as much pain as possible. And we've come to live in a society where it's probably one of the most dominant narratives in the sort of um, liberal society we live in, where yeah we want to live a life where we enjoy the pleasures of life and not necessarily even think about the pain. Yeah, I think, I think more than just pain, it's about responsibilities. That's true as well, duties. Duties. So you're you're sort of encouraged. I think in every avenue of life, and I've 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 been thinking about this from you could think about this from multiple angles, but you can sort of think of most of the the national move most of the movements today. Yeah, ha- have this sort of aspect to them, where they're about uh, a. a a movement a move away from personal responsibility mm-hmm. and i don't mean that in the sort of you know sp- pull yourself by the bootstraps thing yeah I, I don't mean it in that way i mean i think you know there is a sense to where we have to say there isn't as there there is a sort of collective responsibility to ensure that that's possible i mean that in the way that sort of nowadays just as an example we, we have like in 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 sort of in a, in some parts of modern feminist rhetoric we have the idea of moving away from childbearing, move, moving away from being a house mother, like individualism. to individualism, to making money, to being uh, liberated in terms of in terms of partners and 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 uh, living arrangements and such, um, being liberated in terms of your responsibility to your parents, responsibility to your society in general, and sort of taking yes you have these, these these such expectations of what you want me to do you want me to have a family you want me to um take care of people and have these responsibilities and duties and i don't want to do those i don't want responsibilities i don't want duties i don't want to have to take those on to myself 
Um, and that's not just in, in, in feminist rhetoric at all. It's it's a sort of the way the that... The growing narrative that we have. Yeah. It's sort of, don't worry about anyone else. Don't worry about how what you're doing affects your future self. Don't worry about how it affects the people around you. If it makes you feel good, do it. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's a very very common way in which we we've been told to see um, to, to to see our, our social direction. Yeah, and you even could say. the idea of I think what the idea of hedonism hedonism itself is the promotion of the pleasures of the lower self. So what we mean by the lower self is mm. the most basic desires such as eating, drinking, uh, and we see that with hedonistic attitudes, it goes towards a degree of trying to satisfy the most lowest pleasures without caring about really, again, like you said, one's responsibilities. And so what do you think are the issues of living one's life in that sort of way? I think there's a lot, a lot of issues. I think, especially in current society, uh, a lot of people live just a life of just hedonism and I think when you delay something especially gratification it makes that gratification even better and it's not it moves away from that we look at issues of like of productivity etc etc dopamine being a big one where we're just constantly consuming and consuming and consuming uh, and it gets to a point where it's sort of nullified and we've just become sort of robots essentially and we're in, involved in such in these such menial tasks uh, which have become so menial to us because we've just uh, sort of overflowed our senses with all this dopamine and I think uh, uh, in that context it's a very very negative thing yeah I think I think related to what you were you were saying at the beginning about um, sort of devaluing a lot of the a lot, a lot of our, our a lot of our goals um, we we live in a society that no longer values sort of partnerships in the way they used to before partnerships at one point was a very sacred thing um if you look at if you look at a couple 50 100 years ago or so divorcing someone was a big big taboo um and i'm not saying that that that's a good thing not at all um because i i do think that people should be able to divorce if if, if they're unhappy but it, it's it's at a point now where being in partnerships, being in relationships, being, um, you know, having that sort of supposedly liberatory framework, it, it, it's, it's in a narrative where that is liberation, where submitting yourself to your internal desires is, is what is the most liberating. If it makes your internal desires feel good, it's good. You don't have to worry about... And I, I, think, I think the issue for me is, from an Islamic perspective, um, is that those you don't choose those internal desires. So when I eat, I don't choose the fact that I want to eat. Mm-hmm. When I, because these are worldly things, right? So when I, when I take part in any... So when I eat or drink or, or take part in any sort of physical task, right... The reason I'm doing them, in whatever sense, is because I want to. Mm-hmm. And I don't choose whether or not I want to. And you can sort of take it back to the idea of sort of free will. Of if, if you don't choose your desires and what it is you desire, then do you really have any choice in life? But I think from an Islamic perspective, we come back at it and I say, no, you don't choose maybe the more physical things, but you have a choice in the spiritual. Our soul isn't something that's 
contained by cause and effect and we have the idea where you can choose your spiritual path and what you're doing generally speaking is if you submit to yourself to your internal desires what you're doing is you're giving away that choice you are limiting your free will so that you only do the tasks which are being preconceived on you by your those desires by those innate desires that you have had no control over yeah you don't control whether you're hungry and so therefore whether or not you eat isn't your choice if that makes sense yeah i think there's a sort of big problem with today's society especially to do with desire you know you used to have that sort of saying of you know, having certain creature comforts that every now and again that you know you'll just come to and in general people had certain boundaries you could say in terms of what they did you just in, in their day-to-day life but now we've become such uh you know hungry for dopamine hungry for dopamine and and even it, it links to attention span you know uh with sort of the rise of social media etc you know we we're just constantly consuming content at such a fast rate and we're consuming so many different ideals that our e- even our sort of understanding of the world gets disrupted uh and and just in general if you look at like small children now like the attention span is so bad and it links to so many other things uh, uh apart from it's not just oh you know this is not good for me I shouldn't do it but it, it links to so many different aspects of our life uh even some of these sort of social media apps which uh, ha- have taken over recently uh now I think is very very negative and an element of self awareness is needed and an element of sort of you know uh getting down and just doing something which will actually benefit you uh spiritually like you mentioned before yeah. i think is definitely needed yeah so like you were saying Tariq even the quran actually mentions like this idea of um one who seeks their desire so it actually mentions the surah jathia have you seen the one who takes their desire as their deity mm. so the idea of not Okay so obviously it's referring to worshiping one's desires but not in the literal sense in the sense where one's desires have overtaken all their duties their responsibilities their obligations and it's to the degree where it's like it's their deity and it it's it's a serious issue i mean think about it being we were obviously talking about the idea of procrastination and maybe that's a more minor i mean you could argue it's 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 a it's a fundamental issue but maybe it's quite it's quite a, a benign issue um to have essentially putting off work or um you know tasks that are important in place of other less meaningful tasks but think about it doing that whilst being aware so obviously in the first half we mentioned this doing that whilst being aware of what needs to be done is a fundamental issue yeah i think i, th- I think it's sort of interesting where and 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 i don't want to i want to point out something that i i like to do with with issues like this and and and, and i, I want to sort of talk about how this sort of hedonistic lifestyle this sort of consumerism um rabid consumerism is 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 almost intentionally and i want to say intentionally um uh projected because it's profitable um you aren't happy you aren't a profit you won't make any company's profit if what makes you happy are spiritual things 
You won't make any company's profit if you're happy with the way you look and you're happy with your partner and you're happy with the way you live and you're happy with uh, all of that stuff. You won't make any company money mm-hmm. if you're already content. Yeah. So what they what companies have to do is they have to tell you this physical object because they can't sell spiritual objects. Exactly. They can only sell physical objects. They have to do this physical object or this physical service. We're well, not physical service. This service or object. Um, this will change. This will make you happy. And in order to tell you that, they have to tell you right now you're not happy. You can't be happy if you're already. And this is something I saw about say something like Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you're scrolling Instagram, you know you sort of have your 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 you know your your average Instagram photos and sort of celebrities and such. But between those, you have those adverts. Yeah. And those adverts might be for a beauty product, it might be for a food, it might be for a car, it might be for equipment, various things. Various things. But if if let's say your Instagram content was making you happy and content with your life and you're very happy and content with your life and you see the advert, you're not going to buy it. Exactly. If you're happy with the way you look and the advert is, is a beauty product, you're not going to buy it. Most likely. Yeah. But if the content if the content was making you feel insecure, it was making you feel like you're less of a person. It was making you feel like you had something to measure up to. And then you saw a beauty product. And then you saw it an expensive car. And then you saw an expensive service that, that all these other celebrities were using. Then you might think to yourself, well, maybe I do need this. And then you buy it. And there's this idea that that is why we've come to a position where physical objects and these services, materialism, exactly, uh, are so prominent. So, prominent. So, so we could argue that there's like an implicit encouragement of telling people you're not content where you are in your life exactly. right now you're not you could be better if you buy a, if you buy a shiny new wet whatever and of course once you buy that you're still not happy and exactly. you go through the same cycle because we always conflate pleasure with happiness pleasure is not happiness. that's a really good point pleasure is the idea of like very short term very uh, meaningless sort of I mean, how do you even define it? It's such a, it's such an interesting concept. Uh, uh, pleasure, I would say, is 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 yeah, it's definitely shorter term. It's it's sort of, it's instant. Gra- it's gratification, I think. Pleasure is gratification. Yeah. Satisfaction is different. Contentness is a sort of the basic level. So if you were to sort of like a create a graph. Yeah. Of your of your mood throughout a day, throughout a week, throughout a year, mm-hmm. contentness would be sort of the average point on that if you're content then the average point is high yeah pleasure would be a particular point where it's higher than average that's Mm. a pleasurable moment Mm. and satisfaction is where again it's on average high you know um and i think that's an interesting point where we've put pleasure above satisfaction yeah and some people even again some people argue not even argue they do this without knowing they say pleasure and happiness are synonymous but yeah, that's a really, really good point. They, they really aren't. And that's, maybe that's one of the the main issues with hedonism. Yeah, it's it makes it's pleasurable, but is it is it going to make you happy once it's done? Yeah, which which because you can't be you. I think you can't be pleasured twenty four seven. Exactly. You physically can't. When you're sleeping, you can't be having gratification. Not really, because you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. But I feel that you can be content sleeping. You can be content. You know, just. Eating breakfast in the morning. Yeah, and some people, well, not some people, the majority of people, maybe not even necessarily the majority, there is a sizable amount of people that 
forsake certain pleasures in life for the pursuit of contentment. So yeah. for in many um, spiritual and religious practices, you see the idea of abandoning certain, you know, pleasurable practices because for, for if we take the example of religion, doing so is more pleasing towards God. And in that case, that makes that gives a person a certain sense of fulfillment. And to the individual, they prioritize that fulfillment over the pleasure of doing the action. So yeah. let me give the most basic example for Muslims. Let's say we can't eat pork, right? We see a nice, you know, um, burger, you know, it obviously uh, has, you know, obviously pork and whatnot. But the we obviously prioritize the pursuit of pleasing God to in instead of the amount of pleasure that burger could give us if we ate it. Yeah. But on a grander scale, imagine the amount of um, pleasures that one forsakes in general life from a deeply religious point of view. And that fulfillment and contentment that one attains from actually um, leaving out these, these you know, things that they could have but they don't have, grants a much greater sense of purpose. Yeah, I think I think that's that's what I was trying to, to talk about is where that's the only choice you make. Yeah. Because let's say you do eat the burger. Yeah. The reason you eat it is because your internal desires have told you to eat it. Yeah. Right, and it's the same with every other physical thing, and 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 outcome in the world. Right, your physical desires that you had no control over, you know, you don't control when you're hungry. Yeah, you have no like conscious idea of, ide- ability to control that. So you're doing it because your desires told you, which isn't a choice. But when you withhold that, you're making the spiritual choice. Exactly. And because on sort of the spiritual level. We aren't bound by cause and effect. Yeah, that spiritual level, which is immaterial, can is is can make effects and decisions which are uh, which aren't directly affected by the situation it's in. Exactly, it can make real, real choices, and that's the only choices we actually make. Which I think, once you take that into account, it makes a lot of sense why it is these choices that are sort of punished or not punished for in the afterlife, for example. Because there aren't any other choices. You won't be punished, for example, for... You won't be punished for eating. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have a choice whether or not you eat. You will eat, you know. Or even physical, like, basic things in life. You won't be punished for those. You'll be punished for the spiritual aspect that that they imply. And that spiritual aspect is something we do have control over. I think this has uh, been a very interesting conversation, learning a lot here. Uh, I think definitely something that we should uh, maybe continue uh, in our life is I think rather than pleasure, I think we should chase contentness, being more content uh, in our life rather than pleasure. Because pleasure is just a sort of short euphoric high that you can obtain. That's a really good description. You can obtain it easily, which devalues it in the long term. Being content is something which in certain situations especially with us as young people being content would be sort of for example you know if you look at the long term getting married getting uh, you know earning a decent amount of money to be able to sustain our family that's something which you could uh, sort of label or mark under being content i think that is something that people should aspire to because uh, i mean it, i mean this also links to uh, a show we recently did on 
sort of the vaping epidemic and how yeah. that's a sort of pleasurable experience you could call it and how that's a short euphoric high and a lot of these things which increase your dopamine to such a level where you could label it under pleasure are not really good for you at all in any sense yeah mentally physically spiritually which is what we've been uh which has been mentioned a lot uh during this show it's not really good for you at all like I- in a lot of circumstances it's very very damaging for you so i think being content uh is good because it increases your quality of life and in general um you appreciate the finer things in life you appreciate the smaller things in life uh, a-, a lot more and i think that's what we should aim towards yeah no no i definitely agree and i think I think it's important to be very, very mindful of that fact when you're going on social media, when you're engaging with entertainment and media in general. You have to be mindful of the fact that there is definitely an implicit reason for that to make you unhappy. And I've had times where I've, myself, where I've been on social media and I've noticed myself perhaps being less happy than I was before I opened the app. Mm. And you sort of need to remind yourself that that's... It, it's part of the point of the app yeah it, it's, it's games that way to make you feel like you need a certain product or a certain lifestyle to attain the happiness that these people on social media apparently have yeah I, I think that's a really really important point now I, 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 I wonder what what we could do what what any of you would do to, to try and mitigate that from that perspective I think what, what sort of solutions could you think of something that I've been seeing recently on social media apps which is the ironic thing is that I've seen a lot of videos about having a dopamine detox oh, where you uh, like block off everything so like uh, a lot of them are sort of very sort of simple like when you wake up don't check your phone for an hour etc some of them are like really you know go off social media for a month you know go to the gym whatever don't obtain these sort of uh, lower self pleasures lower self pleasures do- like quick dopamine releases uh, and I think maybe that's one way uh, I'm not saying you know go to the extreme straight away just like throw your phone in the bin etc like it does have some uses granted in some cases they might be limited uh, but slowly slowly distance yourself away from chasing these uh, quick dopamine releases in any form that they come uh, and you'll actually find an improvement in your life. Obviously, and just another thing to clarify, like the three of us here, we're not sort of perfect in any way, shape or form. No. We are also very, very guilty no. of, you know, these simple players, social media, whatever it may be. And like what Tarek was talking about before, you know, I've definitely experienced it myself as well. You know, you'll open the app and you'll see something and it'll just ruin your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it just... And it creates so much jealousy and envy that it's not good in a, in like a spiritual sense either what 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 do you think we could do on a more systematic level if you were the head of instagram if you were head of the government if you were head of the the i don't know social media i'd lose my job straight away. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is think of it from their perspective when you're running a business like that for them this problem in society helps their brand the fact that instagram is such a killer of one's happiness actually helps them because then people keep returning to Instagram for the pursuit of that quick pleasure essentially that's the problem isn't it I think there's a problem with your like your question as well 
Are you talking from like a moral point of view or from a business point of view? Yeah. If from a business well, point of view, I'm it, making it people more unhappy. Yeah, I'll exactly. be so real. Yeah, well, that's that's the issue. Is is okay? Let's take it. If you were like the head of a of a local community and you needed to try, or the head of government, or in in some way, and you wanted to solve this issue, what would you do systematically? Well, systematically, I think, I think there'd actually be problems with solving this problem, because I think if you take so obviously the simplest way to solve it would be to obviously crack down on everything that's being fed through these apps, you know, getting rid of these ads, making it more neutral, you know, telling, you know, controlling what the content... Controlling content, yeah. Controlling content. But once you do that, because people like these days have become so used to that and have sort of become addicted to consuming this content, people don't know what's good for them. So if you get rid of it like like in such a drastic way... It will actually have more of a negative effect. No, I agree there. I think perhaps, perhaps the I think the issue here is is the profit incentive, isn't it? It's the issue that there's these companies, and you can take these from not not just Instagram, not just social media, not just sort of private companies. A lot, a lot of different companies in lots of different sectors, they have a profit incentive to harm. And I think it's interesting to sort of think that the way that impacts our society in this particular case is that they have a profit incentive to create a more he- hedonistic, anti-spiritual, anti-religious, anti-more um, more individualistic, more materialistic society. Mm-hmm. And they're succeeding in doing that because that's where the profits need to flow. Yeah. I think it just paints a picture of Western society in general. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's been a good conversation. I've definitely learned a lot. I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot. Uh, if you have, please do message us, 0779-481822, and do let us know your opinions. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, and yeah, I've enjoyed today's show. Uh, and we'll see you next week. We will also have a show, hopefully, inshallah. Inshallah. So uh, we will see you then. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org? And follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.